We're going to jump into our, our week six of our Scent series. Um, and, and here's the thing. Um, as, as, as I was kind of looking at the entirety of this series, we're, we're almost done, just so you know. I hope you've enjoyed the series. I've enjoyed sharing it with you. Um, this, was, this was one of those, those messages that I kind of highlighted. You know, like this is a big one as far as I'm concerned, as far as the early church and as far as us today and, and things like that. And, and so I'm excited about sharing this with you. I'm excited about um, how God kind of has, has orchestrated these things so that we're here in this moment to, to look at these things. And this is kind of one of those messages, and I know that if you've been around here a little bit, you kind of have learned me hopefully a little bit. This is one of those messages that I kind of like to call us, uh, take on a, a, a journey message. This is one of those messages where we're going to start at one place, and we're going to journey through a couple of things to get us to the end, okay? And so I want you to, to know that I'm, I'm excited about this. I think this is a very important part of the entire series. I wouldn't necessarily say this is the linchpin of the series, but this is a big one. This is one I felt like God really spoke to my heart about and really wants us to help us to see, understand, and as a church, implement as He leads us in this way. So we're going to start actually a little bit different. We're not going to start in the book of Acts. Remember, this is one of those journey messages. We're actually going to start at the very beginning. One of the things I love about Scripture, one of those things that for me at least prove that God's Word is God's Word among many, many things is when you look at some of the things that happened in the Old Testament, things that were written thousands of years before things were written in the New Testament, and you see this, this pattern and this, this, this thing that God seems to be working through, not just a particular book written by a particular person at a particular time, but literally over centuries that have been written that show a pattern, show a creator, show a plan as, as it were. And I love that when we can see that through the Old and the New Testament. So we're going to take a journey together and look at that together. But we're going to start at the very beginning. But the first concept, the first place, the first road marker that we want to start is with this. How does God speak purpose and vision in the beginning? Okay, when you want to know to an extent how God wants it to really be, you can start at, you can be, go to one of two places. You can go to the beginning or you can go to the end. This morning we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. The notes and the scripture will be up there on the screen as well. But we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to look at the very first time that God speaks to his creation. As we've looked at in Genesis 1 before, God is speaking, things are happening, God is speaking to the light and, and the animals, and he's separating the day and the night and land and water and all these sort of things. In Genesis 1, God begins to speak directly to his creation, and more importantly, directly to us. If you look at Genesis 1, right before this, what we're seeing is we have been created as humanity, and God now is speaking something to us. One of the things that we, we talk a lot about in our culture today and in the church today is purpose and vision. And what does that look like and how does that apply on our lives? Well, here's the thing. We can have our own purpose or our own vision. But I would say if we have given ourselves over to Jesus, if he is our Lord and our Savior, we better figure out what God says our purpose and our vision should be. 
So in this, we begin to see it. So let's look at this, Genesis 1, chapter 28, the very first part of this. God is speaking, and he's speaking to Adam and Eve to an extent, but to in, in really to us as humans. He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. So God here is speaking to us. This is in your notes. I wanted you to be able to, to, to show off and to all, you know, maybe your family and stuff like that. We have a name for this, okay? Theologians, scholars, and this is in your notes. This scripture is what is called the cultural mandate, okay? So again, if you want to show off, you know, go up to, you know, somebody you know, it's a Christian, and say, hey, can you tell, what, what, what is your feeling about the cultural mandate? And watch them stutter a little bit, okay? So that's what this is. This is the cultural mandate. In this, God is speaking two very clear, important things when it comes to purpose and vision especially. In this, this is a twofold mandate. God is basically telling us to do two things. Number one, God is telling us as humans to populate, okay? Be fruitful, multiply, okay? He's telling us to populate, but he's also telling us a second thing. He's telling us to cultivate, okay? So in the cultural mandate, God is telling us to do, basically, let's break it down, basically to have babies, be fruitful, multiply, but he's also telling us to cultivate. He's telling us that basically we need to do these two things, and these two things are very important when it comes to our purpose, our vision as followers of God in the Old Testament, okay? Now, have you ever wondered this? Because I know I have. Okay. Have you ever sat there and gone, what would have happened? What would have taken place if Adam and Eve didn't sin? Like, I, mean, I know, obviously they did. <laughs> you know? We know they did. We can see that very clearly in our world and in us. But what, what was God's original plan? God, God didn't sit there and say, oh, goody, I think I'll make humanity so that they can fall. And he knew that was going to happen. But what was his original plan? Well, I think what we're seeing here is his original plan, okay? What did God want it to be? If, if, if there hadn't been the fall, what does God desire in this situation for us? And here's, here's the thing, and this is what I believe God is saying. And again, I know the notes today are a little wordy. There's a lot there. Linda, poor Linda, but she had a hard time getting everything to fit, you know. And so, but she did a great job. But I, I wanted us to see this, and so it's in your notes. What is God really calling us to? God is calling humanity to take the garden he created and spread it out around the world, okay? God never intended for Adam and Eve to just be Adam and Eve. God intended for them and in, in, in the understanding, us as well, to not just be them, but to grow and to move out, okay? Basically, what God is wanting to do is he didn't want the garden to stay just in the garden. He wanted his creation to take the garden out from the garden and spread the garden out. He wanted those things to be moved and furthered and not just, not just we're going to hunker down, basically. We're going to talk about hunker down in a little bit more later. But, but this idea of hunker down, but this idea of moving out, to subdue something is not to... They already subdued the garden. You get what I mean? God wants them to move from the garden 
as they grow and as they multiply. Okay? So this is what God is wanting to do. That's his plan. That's his desire. Okay? We also know that because we know what happens at the end. Okay? At the end, we don't see a garden, but we do see a city. Okay? So in the end, we also see this idea of moving out and subduing and being fruitful and multiplying and, and taking those things and not just hunkering down, but moving out with them. So that's what God is wanting to do. But of course, we all know what happened. Genesis 3 happened. And in Genesis 3, we see the fall of man. I've heard it said that in a lot of ways, after Genesis 1 and 2, starting with Genesis 3, everything from Genesis 3 on in the Bible is God's plan and God's desire to get us back to Genesis 1 and 2. So in this concept, now we see the fall. And now we see sin enter and death enter and, and all these horrible things. And, and, and I know this is slightly off topic, but it's slightly on and it needs to be said Thank you so much to Josh and Megan. They were here yesterday without me knowing it because they're sneaky, pulling weeds at the church. And thank you. Thank you for that. But we were joking this morning about, you know, maybe when, when sin entered the world, that's when the weeds came, you know? So in this, now we see some problems. Now we see rebellion and, and, and death and all these things that sin bring about and separation. However, the purpose and the vision has not changed. And we're going to see that because of how we respond to it. So now we're going to look at Genesis 11. Let's continue on basically on our journey. Genesis 11, we're going to look at verse number 1. This is the story that a lot of you know, but we're going to look at it a little more in depth. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east... They found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now, before, you, before we continue on here, I want you to do me a favor. If you, if you have a Bible, you know, the old kind with, you know, pages, or if you have a phone, whichever, I want you to highlight the word scattered, okay? This is important, okay? We're looking here at the story of the Tower of Babel, okay? We pretty much know that. So here's what's happening in uh, chapter 11 of Genesis. The people are doing exactly what God has asked them to do. They are moving, Okay? We know they're fruitful. We know that because we're seeing what took place. You know, we have genealogies and things in Genesis. So they're accomplishing what God has asked them to do. But now they get to this plain of Babylonia. What we think is this is basically modern-day Iraq. And they look and, oh, isn't it beautiful? Oh, is, the land is so fertile. Oh, the land. You know what we should do? We should stop here and let's build ourselves a city and stay here. They do this for two reasons, Scripture tells us. They do it so that their name would become famous, which is a way, great way of just saying pride. But they also do it for another reason that you see in verse number four. So they are not scattered among people. So in this, it took a very short amount of time for us as human beings to say, you know what, God, you know, this, this idea of 
populate and cultivate. I, I don't know how, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like this idea of hunkering down. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. I have heard it many, many times. I don't know, maybe it's a Midwestern thing, but I've heard it, you, you know, in a tornado, guess what you do? You hunker down, okay? When you don't want to go out, you're sick or whatever, you hunker down, okay? So in this, they're basically saying that we're going to hunker down here. We're going to build ourselves a tower. We're going to make our name great. And basically, we're going to say, you know what, God? Your purpose, your vision for my life is not what I want. I rather like this comfort of just being here. I like the idea of my name being great, not necessarily your name being great. I like the idea of safety and comfort and, you know, because here's the thing, it's, it's hard to move around a lot. It's hard to subdue. I'd rather just be here for a while. So let's pick up the story now. Genesis eleven five. So, but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will become impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. Verse 8. In that way, the Lord, once again, if you have your Bible, whatever form you have it in, please underline or put the word scattered. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city that is why the city was called babel because that is where the lord confused the people with different languages in this way he scattered them all over the world so in our story we see god's desire here is listen no your purpose your pl- is still to get scattered. It's still to move out. It's still to subdue. It's not just to hunker down and hang out and wait for this or that to take place. It's to be a people and a group that takes the garden, takes God's plan, takes God's plan for you and for me out from where we are and to begin to scatter that and be scattered to communicate those things. Remember, God wants there to be a garden all over the place. Not just in certain locations. He wants the world to basically be that type of situation. So it it doesn't take us long to start to fight that. It doesn't take us long in the Old Testament to begin this process of, you know, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be this individual that 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 focuses on basically populate and cultivate. Okay? We see it so many times also later on in the Old Testament. I don't have time to get into it today. But, 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 but when God would speak to his people Israel, he would communicate that same thing. You're, not, you're to be a light to the nations. You are to spread out my love, my grace, my goodness to those you come in contact with. And one of the fights that typically happened between the Jewish mindset and God was this idea, no, 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 we keep it for ourselves. We keep it for ourselves. So now let's move on. So how does God speak purpose purpose and vision in the New Testament? Let's continue our journey. Let's look at this together. Well, we see that very clearly in some verses that you know, some verses that we've already talked about, but we're going to look at them again. The first one we all know, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is speaking and he's telling them, Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all the nations. Not some of the nations, not the nations you like, but all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is, we know, this is what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission, in some way, shape, or form, is written in all four Gospels. Now you say, Aaron, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not in Luke. Well, that's true. But I've always looked at Luke as kind of a two-volume set. Luke, basically his gospel being volume one, and Acts being his second volume, but it all being kind of together. You can kind of almost see that in the way Luke ends and then Acts begins. But so although the Great Commission, or a form of it, is not recorded in the book of Luke, it is recorded in the book of Acts. Look at it with me, Acts 1.8. We've looked at it several times. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to, uh, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A lot of people that, that, that have looked at these things, they have basically called, you know, we, we call it the Great Commission. It's a great name for it. But a lot of people have looked at this. This is the cultural mandate restated in the New Testament. So many times I've had people as a youth pastor, as a regular pastor, Aaron, what's my purpose? What's, what does God want me to do? And, and here's what they're really asking in a lot of ways. They're asking it more in a specific sense almost of maybe like, you know, maybe what type of job I should have or what type of person I should marry or where I should go in life. Should I stay maybe in Colorado or move to Michigan or whatever it might be? And those are great questions to answer. Those are great questions to ask. But listen, your purpose your vision, what God has called every single one of his followers to do, is what he really called us to do from the very beginning. He's called us to populate and cultivate. He's called us to go. Now, and of course, in the Old Testament, we see it in more of a physical sense. In the New Testament, now we're switching slightly. Now we're seeing this idea of populating in a spiritual sense, and cultivating in a spiritual sense. But here's the thing we have to understand. We can't do that very well if we're hunkered down. The Great Commission has a word that's very important in it. It's go. It's go. And so let's continue on with the story. Knowing now this vision, this purpose that God is giving his church today. So let's look at Acts 2.38. We're going to look at some of the scriptures we've looked at before. But to give us a holistic understanding, we need to look at them again. So this is Acts 2. This is the day of Pentecost. P Peter has been preaching and sharing God's word. And this is what he says, verse 38. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Verse 41, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Okay? So here we see the, really the birth of the New Testament church. Okay? Again, we're going to go on this journey together. So we start with this mandate. We start in the New Testament with, with Jesus saying you need to go, make disciples, populate and cultivate spiritually. Now we see that begin to take place. Peter is preaching. 3,000 people come to know Christ in one day. 
We see throughout in Acts number uh, 3 and 4 and 5, we see the church continuing to grow. We see some amazing things happen. We see, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, a, a, a man that would, couldn't walk, paralyzed man, being able to walk. Miracles are taking place. The church is growing. Great things are happening. Now let's look at Acts 5. Because Acts 5, something takes place again. Acts 5, 12 through 14. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, good. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. Okay. Now we look at this scripture and we go, this is good. Miraculous signs. People are coming to know the Lord. Men and women. This is good. But there's a negative here. Did you find it? There's a problem here. Did you catch it? They're starting to hunker down a little bit. They start to say, you know, this Solomon's colonnade, so nice, <laughs> so comfy. You know, like, the, the, you know, there, there's no air condition, obviously, this time. But, you know, the way the wind blows in, you know, through Jerusalem, it just kind of hits that area. It's, oh, it's just so nice. And they start meeting there and they, they start hanging out there and they begin to hunker down a little bit there. Listen, great things are happening, but they're happening in Jerusalem. The Great Commission mentions Jerusalem, but it also mentions some other places. And so in this moment where, yes, God is blessing, yes, God is doing great things, we're beginning to slowly see his church becoming a kirka and not an ecclesia. We're starting to see this idea of a place and a, and a product and a thing instead of the sent ones. Instead of people who say, you know, well, our job isn't just to populate and cultivate Jerusalem. Our job is to go to Samaria and, and Judea and to the ends of the earth. So let's see what happens that God helps us to see again. Acts 8. Now, before we get to Acts 8, I know it probably up on the screen, yeah. But in Acts 7, 6, 7, those areas, we see Stephen. And Stephen is obviously, for, if, in case you don't know, Stephen is our, the first Christian martyr. So he stands up and he speaks and, and basically he's stoned. He's killed. And so that brings us basically to Acts 8. Look at it with me. Acts 8 verses, the second part of, of, of verse number 1 and then we'll jump to verse number 4. A great wave of persecution began that day. That day was the day that Stephen was stoned, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were, circle it again, underline it again, scattered throughout the regions of where? Where are they scattered? Judea and Samaria. Where did Jesus say to go after Jerusalem? Judea and Samaria. And let's keep going. Look at verse 4. But the believers who were scattered, circle it again, underline it again, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I've been having you underline that word scattered. 
I want you to understand what it means in the New Testament. It's in your notes. It's a little long of an explanation, but it's important. There are two different words in the ancient Greek language for the idea of scattered. Okay? One has the idea of scattering in the sense of making something disappear. Like scattering of someone's ashes. Okay? Okay? The other word has the idea of scattering in the sense of planting or sowing seeds. This is the ancient Greek word used here. So when you have underlined that word scattered, what you need to imagine is this idea of things being thrown, things being seeded, things being sown. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But you need to understand that idea of scattered here is not just scattered, quote unquote, and just kind of going off on their own, but there's a purpose here. There's something deeper here that God wants us to see. So let's kind of wrap this up. So let's look at some application. We've gone on this journey. We've seen the Old Testament pattern. Now we've seen this New Testament pattern. What does it mean for you and for me? There's two things that I want to look at. Number one, two kind of things we need to decide. In our daily lives, we are going to have to decide if we're going to answer his call. Okay, we know now what God's purpose is for you and for me. Okay, God's purpose, number one for our lives, is that we cultivate and we populate. We take his word, we take his truth, we take his love, his grace, his mercy, and we begin to scatter it wherever we go. And with that concept, we hope and pray and desire for new lives to come alive in Jesus. We populate the earth, spiritually speaking, with new believers. So we have to decide, are we going to answer that call? Are we going to say yes to the purpose that God has for you and for me? Now listen, that purpose can, can show itself in different ways. I show that purpose. God has called me as a pastor to do those sort of things. God may have called you to do something different, but the purpose remains the same. The purpose remains the same. So the question becomes, are we going to answer that call? Are we going to answer his desire and that purpose and vision for our lives? Let's look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 18 and 19. Let's look at a call that we see and we know. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is the calling, obviously, of the first disciples. But there's two parts of this that we need to understand this morning. Number one, number one, Jesus is calling his disciples in two ways. Two ways. Number one is the concept of following me. Now, what Jesus is saying here is deeper probably than we understand especially today for us as his disciples. When Jesus is saying following me, he's not just talking about a physical following. He's talking about that our lives are going to be changed by Jesus so as we are following him, we're becoming more and more like him. Okay? As we are disciples of Jesus, as, Paul, excuse me, as, as John the Baptist says, we should decrease and he should increase. A lot of us want to follow Jesus, but we don't want ourselves to decrease. And that's not how this works. That's not what Jesus was calling his disciples to do. He was calling them to see the world as he saw it. He was calling them to have the compassion, love, grace, mercy, goodness that he has. We talk about it all the time. I'm a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life should mirror his. 
It's more than just what you think it is at times. There's a deeperness that God is calling us to. Let me give you an example or way of saying this. If I said, now, now you, most of you guys know this, I, I like to ride my bike, okay? I like to go out and, and, and do silly things and ride for a really long time. I like to ride my bike, okay? There is a difference between saying this statement, I like to ride my bike and I'm a biker, okay? How about this? You say, Aaron, I really like to run. Great. I'm glad that you like to put your body through that craziness. Good for you. I like to run. But there's a different statement when you say, I am a runner. Okay? What's the difference? I can like to run and never get off my rear end. But to be a runner, to be a biker, we have to actually get out of our house and run or ride. A lot of people love to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I follow him. Really? Because there's a big difference between that concept of, you know what, I really like Jesus and I'm actually following him. So to follow him is deeper. Okay? To be his disciple, we have to answer that call. A lot of people go, they look at their lives and they go, God, why aren't you using me? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you doing these types of things? And I would say, I don't know truly, if you really look at it, do you just like Jesus a lot and what he can bring into your life? Or are you a follower of Jesus? Jesus is calling his disciples to a deeper experience with him and us today. So he's calling them in that way, but also... He's calling them, and this is very encouraging, and I want you to be encouraged by this. He's calling them to fish for people. Fish for people, okay? Now, do you ever think about this? Now, I know it's just perfect. It just works so well. I mean, you know, because if, if, we, if, it, didn't, if it wasn't like this, what would we put on our, the back of our cars? But, you know, this idea of fishermen. Oh, and Jesus is calling us to be fishers of men. Do you ever think about, why, did, why does Jesus call them to be fishers of men? You know, I mean, I get it. It fits so well, and it's just perfect. I got, a, I got a deep, deep thought on this. Are you ready? I think he calls them to be fishers of people because they actually were fishermen. Deep, I know. Okay? I think that's why Jesus said it. I don't think Jesus said it just... I don't think, listen, he doesn't go up to Matthew and say, come, be a fisher of men. Matthew was a tax collector. But to Peter and to Simon, he says, come fish for people. Come fish for people. I think that's very interesting here. That God is calling us to work for him in the way that we've already got talents and abilities and knowledge. Look here, it's in your notes. What Jesus is saying is this. I want to use your knowledge, experience, giftings, personality to do more than just catch fish. Jesus wants to leverage who you are and what you do to help rescue people. You say, Aaron, I, but, but I, you know, you kind of have this attitude, but Aaron, I'm not a fisherman. It's okay. What do you do? Well, I'm a teacher. Good. Jesus wants you to be a teacher. Teach for pe people. Be a teacher that, that helps people find Jesus. Well, I'm an accountant. Well, I'll pray for you, but listen, you can be an accountant and help people find Jesus. Sorry, Tammy. 
I mean, God is sitting there going, listen, I created you for a reason and a purpose. You don't have, listen, as it goes along with the story, you don't have to be a fisherman to be used by me. You just have to be open to what I want to do in you and through you. I've already placed the talents, the ability, the personality. I remember in college, I talked to one of these guys, and, and, and I'll be honest, can I, eh. You know, I can be very animated and kind of loud and obnoxious. I understand that. This guy was the complete opposite. I mean, he was quiet. And he, you know, I mean, it was like, do you even like standing up in front of people? You know, I mean, he was scared, you know. And I remember him sitting there and he, I mean, he came to my dorm room one, one night and he was in my, um, Randy, you'll appreciate this. He was in my HOM 2 class. Homiletics 2 is where you actually speak. HOM 1, they teach you how to put a message together. HOM 2, you actually do it. And he had done it, and, and I'll be honest, I love him, but it was painful. I mean, it was like, oh, please, get this man out of his misery. And he came and just, just broken. And he said, Aaron, I know God's called me to do this. I know God's called me to do this, but I, 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 I can't speak. I can't do this. And I remember looking at him and going, look, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how God's going to do it. But God made you this way for a purpose and a reason. And he will use you in spite of what you think is your weakness. Because this is what God made you to be. God wants to do the same in his life and in your life. So you say, Aaron, I'm not a fisherman. It's okay. It's okay. Whatever God's made you to be, know that Jesus wants to leverage it to help rescue people. Number two. Number two. In our daily lives, we're going to have to decide if we're going to settle or scatter. We're going to have to decide every day, are we going to settle or are we going to scatter? Remember, I've had you underline those words, scatter, what that means. In the New Testament, when we see those words in Acts, what, what those words are really meaning. And I don't know about you, but my mind immediately went to the parable of the sower. Look at Mark 4. Jesus is telling this story, and this is what he says. We're going to see the first part, and then we're going to jump into verse 14 as he kind of explains it. Jesus is saying, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. But as he scattered it, and he scattered it across his field, okay? So let's, let's visualize this for just a second, okay? We've talked about this before, but just in case you weren't here or, or, or you missed it, the idea of this idea of scattering that Jesus is kind of expressing in this parable is this idea of a sack that would be hung over the side of the farmer's shoulder. And he would reach in and he would begin to scatter seed. He would grab handfuls and just, it wasn't this idea of opening up a plot of, of earth, putting a seed in, covering it up. He was scattering seeds. He was throwing basically these seeds out. And we see this, the seeds begin to fall on different land and different types of, 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 of ground. And sometimes birds come and all these sort of things. But the, the, the seeds that fall on good land basically give a bountiful harvest. And this is the story that he's saying. And this is the imagery that people there would especially recognize. And so this idea of just throwing seed out, okay? And so in Mark 4, 14, he explains this parable because his disciples are like, what, what are you trying to get at? What are you trying to say here? And he kind of explains it. We, we're not going to get into all of it this morning, but in Mark 4, 14, he says, the farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this parable before. And what we tend to think of 
rightly so, is the idea of who the farmer is. Well, the farmer's Jesus, right? Okay, yeah, well, the farmer's Jesus. He's out there spreading the word. That is true. But if we're followers of Jesus, if we're doing things to be like him, guess who you and I are supposed to be as well as Christians and as followers of Jesus? You and I are farmers too. You and I's job is to scatter that seed. It's not to hunker down. It's not to be a location or a place or a product. It's to be an ecclesia, the sent ones, ones that go out, ones that say, you know what, I'm not going to stay here where it's comfortable and nice and, and all these things. I'm going to take this seed and this word and these promises that God has shown us and it's expressed through his word. And I'm going to begin to throw them out. I'm going to begin to share them with others. And look, I understand it's not an easy thing. Why? How do I know that's simple? The parable in Mark 4. Some of the ground isn't very hospitable. I know that. There are going to be birds. The things you throw out, there's going to be birds that are going to come and they're going to eat. There's going to be things that, that take away from the seed that is sown. I totally get it. And I know that it can be very discouraging. But you need to understand something. Jesus doesn't ask you to be overly concerned with the ground. You're called, I'm called, to scatter the seed. It started all the way back in Genesis. Populate and cultivate. We see it again in the New Testament. Go, make disciples. When the New Testament church began to become a kirka, and they began to start to hunker down and they said, you know, this Solomon colonnade's really, really nice. They echoed and mirrored what happened all the way back in Genesis 11 when they started to say, you know what, this plain of Babylonia, oh, it sure is nice. I know God called us to populate and cultivate. I know he said for us to scatter, but you know what, this is comfortable. I like it here. I think we should just kind of hang in here because you know what, if I start scattering seed, people are going to maybe, they're not going to accept it. People aren't going to like it and they're not going to feel good about it and they're going to think I'm, uh, I'm crazy or I'm, I'm this or that. But our job, our goal, our purpose is to be a people that doesn't settle, but scatters. That scatters. Look at verse 8. This is not in your notes. Mark 4, verse 8. After Jesus talks about all the soil that, that isn't okay, that doesn't work, 4, 8, still other seed fell on fertile soil. You know what I've learned about soil? And maybe this is just me, and, and you may be different. You may be one of these gardeners, and, 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 you know, and awesome if you are. You know what I see when I see soil? Dirt. I know that's deep, I know. I see dirt. I don't, I don't honestly know good soil from bad soil. I guess how this works, is at least how I have figured this out in my own household, and my own family, is dirt that is there already is not good dirt. So we have to go to Home Depot and buy dirt. Because we don't have enough dirt already, I guess. That's good soil. I, I don't, it looks all the same to me. In fact, you show me good soil, and I'm kind of like, why is there a bunch of like weird sticks and things in this, you know? It smells bad, you know. I know there's probably manure in it or something. I can't tell ready soil, good soil, fertile soil, 
very well from other soil. I have found this out in people's lives. There's been times where I've looked at people and gone, man, you want to talk about some rocky soil. God, I am not going to share Jesus with them. It's going to be a waste of seed and a waste of time. God says, do it, and I do it, and all of a sudden, I go, wow, they were ready. That was some fertile soil. You're not going to always know the fertile soil from the other soil, but look, still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. You say, Aaron, how how can one seed produce 30, 60, 100? How does that work? It's real simple. It's real simple. You see, a long time ago, it gets farther and farther every day, this little annoying, loud brat of a kid, the Grandview Assembly of God Church, as a five-year-old, had a children's pastor named Brother Mitchell. And Brother Mitchell told a story about how Jesus came. And he lived a sinless life. And he died, not just for everybody, but for me. And he said, if you'll accept that, if you'll accept the forgiveness of your sin, because you've all messed up, if you'll accept that forgiveness, he'll make you brand new. You'll be one of his kids, and you'll be saved. And he said, if you want to do that, raise your hand. Well, this snotty-nosed, annoying, loud five-year-old said, you know, if Jesus would do that for me, I want to be on his team. And I prayed a prayer. And I gave my life to Jesus. A seed was planted in me a long time ago. And you know what? Ever since then, and I haven't been perfect, obviously, but I would hope and pray that one day I can stand before Jesus. And he can bring up Brother Mitchell. And he could say, Brother Mitchell, look, look at Aaron's life. The seed you planted in him, look what it produced. One seed. God wants to do that in you and me. God wants to pull you up on that day when we all give an account and say, you, you know that one child you poured your life into? You know that one individual that you said, you know they're not ready, it's hard seed. Maybe that individual that you threw seed at for years and years and years and maybe you never even knew they ever accepted it, but eventually they did. That's how God can take one seed and multiply it so much. But listen, listen. There is no multiplication without scattering. There is no multiplication without scattering. Look here. Look here. It's in your notes. We have to make this decision. Are we going to be a people that live for safety and comfort and settle? Or are we going to be a people that will scatter like Jesus called us to? Look, we, 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 I, I, we love to talk about the New Testament church. We love to try to follow, in a lot of ways, their models and things that they did. 
But listen here. They scattered. And unfortunately, I would say that for a majority of the church today, we have hunkered down. We have hunkered down. We've said, you know what? Ah, I, I like this idea of following Jesus, but you know, this fishing for men kind of stuff. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I, I kind of like being kind of incognito, you know, kind of undercover for Jesus. It's settling. It's finding a nice, comfortable place in Solomon's colonnade and hunkering down. And you go, well, but, but, but look, good things were happening. Yes, yes, they were. Good things were happening. But you realize that God's purpose for you, for me, and for this church is not just so good things could happen here. The garden was a good place before the fall. And God said, I want you to take the garden out. I want you to take the garden from this place and cultivate and populate. Cultivate and populate. It's what God's called us to do. It's our purpose. Every single one of us, we don't get a pass. Because it doesn't matter if you're a fisherman or a teacher, president of a bank, a doctor, engineer, does not matter. We all have a mandate by God to go, to be the sent ones. To be the ecclesia. Can you do me a favor? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And let's, let's, let's take a moment and let the Holy Spirit to do some inventory. As we see this pattern emerge throughout Scripture, we really have to stop and we have to ask ourselves kind of those last two questions, those application points that were in our notes. We have to decide daily if we're going to answer Jesus' call. We're going to have to answer daily if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. Not just somebody that comes to church, not just somebody that knows the drill, okay? But a follower of Jesus. Not somebody that likes running, a runner. We're going to have to decide that daily. And we're also going to have to decide if we're going to be willing to be used by God to fish for people. And here's the thing. I'm not much of a fisherman, but I do know this. You and you're not fishing and you're not catching a darn thing in this building or any building. You know what I mean? You're going to have to go to the lake. And you know what? I, I don't know about you, but I've gone to some lakes and you know what? They're muddy. They're hard to get to. They're not easy to get to. Sometimes there's mosquitoes. Sometimes there's snakes. Sometimes it's a pain in the, to, to, to get there and to experience it. And then you've got to figure out what type of bait to use. And then you've got to wait. Fishing is not the most exciting thing in the world, let's be honest. But you know what? He's called us to fish for people. He's called us to scatter seed for people. Because we understand what our mandate is. We understand what God's called us to do. And then the second thing, maybe we need to make this decision every day that we're not going to settle, we're going to scatter. We're going to be a people that share what God has done. And here's the thing, listen folks, God is not opposed to using 
persecution to get us moving. He used persecution in the book of Acts. And isn't it amazing, we saw it, that through that, where do they go? Exactly where Jesus told them to go. As you continue on in the book of Acts, guess where they go? They go to the ends of their earth. Where does it begin? Where does it start? With persecution. With persecution. God will bring it to get us moving. But here's the thing. You know what I would love? I would love in my life, in your life, that we say, you know what? I don't need the persecution. I want to get moving to Samaria and Judea and the ends of my earth. But this mission is so important. He'll do whatever it needs to be done to help us to move in that direction. Don't be a settler. Be a scatterer. Be a person that takes what God has done and shares it. We can all do that. Again, don't complain about the ground. I know it's easy. I know in our world today, we look at it and we go, boy, that is, that is a really unfertile ground. I get it. I get it. But your job as the farmer, my job as the farmer, is to not worry about the condition of the ground. Our job is to scatter seed. The Holy Spirit's job is with the soil. He prepares the hearts. Our job is to plant and scatter. So I want to ask you a simple question. Are you doing these things? Are you doing these things? Because listen, if you're not, if you're not, hear me here, and I don't mean this, I just, just truthful as I can mean it. If you're not, you're not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I hear it all the time. I want purpose. I want purpose. I want, here's your purpose. Start here. Yes, I know there are secondary purposes that God wants to bring into your heart and your life, depending on who you are and if you're a fisherman or a teacher or a pastor or whatever it might be. But this here, this is your mandate. It started in the garden from the very beginning. And we see it again in the New Testament. And we see what's interesting here is we see in the book of Acts when they begin to get out of Jerusalem, it is said about those individuals, these are the people that turn the world upside down. Hear me. This church and no church will turn their world upside down if they hunker down in it. We got to go. We got to scatter. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, I know that this is a message that for some is, is a hard message to hear. Because it can be a little scary. It can be a little intimidating. But God, this is our mandate. This is what you called us to do. You've called us to be the ecclesia that no matter where we go, like it said in the book of Acts, we share the good news of what you have done. You've called us in a spiritual sense to populate and cultivate. Father, it's interesting, and this is not a mistake, that you spoke to my heart about this church. And when we talk about the vision and the purpose of this body of believers, it's on the wall. It's to help people to discover and grow in Jesus. Populate and cultivate. 
Lord, please change us, every single one of us, so that those words are not just something that's on a piece of wood. Make this body of believers a group of people that scatter. Make this body of believers a people that help people discover and grow in him. Help them to not worry so much about the soil, but just begin to spread out and scatter that seed and let you do your job and help us to do ours. This is our mandate. This is our calling. This is our purpose. And Jesus, I'm so thankful that you don't just call us to do something and leave us. As it said in Acts, you sent your Holy Spirit to help us to accomplish this mission. It says in your word that when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit, we talked about it last week, will put words in our mouth. Help us to scatter. Help us to follow you. And help our world that we touch be a world full of growth and discovery in you. Help us, God. We can't do this on our own. We need you. We need you. And we know you've promised that when we ask, you will help us. You came to our rescue when we were lost. You'll come to our rescue now that we're found to help us to help new people get rescued by you. We love you. And we thank you. And Father, if that's us, if that's us, we ask that you would come right now, prepare our hearts, change our hearts, give us the eyes and the ears to see opportunity to scatter your good news to those that we come in contact with. Don't let us become individuals that settle in the colonnade when you've called us to go and be the sent ones and turn our world upside down for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, hey, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. And listen, for those that are online, and I know some of you are scattered around this world, around this country. You are, you have a mission too, okay? You have a purpose too in this. So wherever your world is, you turn your world upside down for Jesus too, okay? Because we all, we all have an opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And he wants to use you too. So you're not immune from this. We invite you to join us in wherever you're at to make a difference for God's kingdom, okay? So, listen, for the rest of us, we're going to head over to Jason's Deli for lunch. If you'd like to sign up to help with the computer or, or sign up for the picnic, please do. If you have any questions about any of those things, please come see me. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.